Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg Live. I think you know how this goes. If not, you'll pick it up pretty quick. My name is Curtis Childs and I'm gonna be your host as we chat all things spiritual Swedenborg and meaning of life. And I've got just the best panel one could ever hope for with me here to do the heavy lifting. Uh, I wanna say welcome everyone. First off, we have Kara. Kara, how are you today? Hi, Curtis. It's great to be here. I've been here for a while. Um, and I'm just enjoying listening to all the thunder and lightning outside at my house right now, ready to bring on the thunder and lightning of the questions. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we'll keep that energy up. Uh, and it's great to have you back. Speaking okay. of, we, we, we have definitely been missing something at, with you. Gone, so. oh. And uh, I think you guys might have gotten a sneak peek, but next is Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. That's right. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm really glad to be here. And Kara. Uh, stole my thing because I'm also mesmerized by the sound of the thunder and rain outside my window. Um, but look forward to the storm that's brewing in this hour. I don't know. <laughs> Carry on with this metaphor. Um, yeah, no, that's great. Um, I sometimes I feel like I'm really on during a show, but so sometimes, you know, our last show was so good. I don't know if we'll be able to top it. I just hope lightning strikes twice. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's a storm out Low there. Too. Next, <clears throat> tough crowd. Next is Dr. Jonathan Rose. Hey, Curtis. Nice to be with you again. Uh, great fun to be part of this live show. I'm feeling quite metaphorless at the moment. Um, you know, just it's not raining. Literally, in world. it's not raining in my world. It's uh, no, it's uh, serene and uh, but really looking forward to these questions and seeing if we get any answers to pass on to people. Hey, so I want to say that we we were we saw that in the chat there's somebody who's tuning in. It's their first time, so that's so cool. I mean, there, there may well be a good number of you, but we know for sure it was someone. So we're thinking about how cool it is that you know people are through the magic of the internet finding us for their first times, but also the people who have watched us for quite some time. And you, I guess, I guess all groups, but I think it's particularly of people who have been following our progress and know we're working behind the scenes on some things right now that you might want to hear some of the stuff that we're up to. Um, you know, we've had a little less YouTube content recently, but that's because we are, we've got that oven baking some pretty amazing stuff. Uh, Chelsea, what's going on with the podcast? Oh, yes. Yeah. So exciting things on the horizon um, with the podcast. We are... We have our first show. We had we took a break because we were taking some time to um, think about how to make the podcast the best it can be and do some get get some research ahead of time to to make these exciting um, episodes that I'm looking forward to. And um, but we now have things underway again. Production is underway, and the first episode will be coming out on November seventh. So just a couple of weeks and. Um, and also I'm excited because we're going to be having sort of full length episodes interspersed with the NCE spotlight, which was a segment in our episodes, but now it's going to be its own uh, every other week piece. So that's, that's exciting. Uh, so subscribe to the inside off the left eye podcast so you can get notified when every episode comes out. Super fun recording that first episode. I'm really excited for the new look or new sound of the podcast we got other stuff we're working on 
you may have noticed we've been putting up some YouTube shorts. If you haven't, go check out our shorts playlist, uh, which is on the youtube.com slash off the left side. That's just the beginning, the tip of the iceberg of a bunch more YouTube content that's on the way, which we are perfecting. Well, you know, moving towards perfection. You can never totally achieve perfection. This is a sweet and gorgeous principle. We're working on that. We're also working on a system for deep learning of Swedenborg's concepts, which we'll be talking about soon. A couple other fun things coming up. We are working on next year's Off the Left Eye experience, which is so much fun this year. So thank you for your support and uh, and stay tuned. And we couldn't do any of these projects without all of you making it happen for us financially. We're a not-for-profit, so we do raise funds. And today we have our bonus goal of $151. So if we raise that, during this hour, we'll play 15 minutes of Swedenborg-themed games for entertainment purposes only. Just, uh, <laughs> and I guess, entertainment and education. But it's just as a little thank you for, for the support. Um, and that 151 is in honor of this quote to set the mood from divine providence, where Swedenborg says, The inner self is not reformed simply by gaining knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Not, that is, simply by thinking. We are reformed inwardly by intending to do what our knowledge, intelligence, and wisdom tell us. So let's get that thinking in tonight. Let's take a look at some cool concepts, put that in the brains, and then go out into the world and live that. Go to offtheleftai.com slash donate if you want to make a, uh, a movement on this thermometer here, and that'll be really fun. And don't forget, before we get to your live questions, we got our Thought Brings Presence segment. So if there's somebody that you love who's crossed over to the other side. We want to honor that that they are, even though they're not with us, they're still alive. They're still a person. This was one of the primary messages in Swedenborg. So just write in the chat who you're thinking of and, and if you want to say anything about them. And at the end, we'll read all that. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Let's get to your questions. The first one, this is from Colin Vickers, who asks, repent. How? About what? According to what criteria? How often? Alone or with others? Mountains out of molehills, molehills out of mountains. What if I come up <laughs> blank? I feel you. So what do we have to say? Colin has has questions and he's, it's if there's something that's so important we're called to do, uh, some parameters, please. Some, some buoys in the water telling me if I'm going in the right direction. Uh, does anyone want to kick that off? I know we got answers. Jonathan, yeah, what do you got? Well, uh, this is a really great, really important question. Um, the first thing I'll say is that um, there's a whole chapter on it in Swedenborg's work, True Christianity, in volume two of that work in the New Century Edition. And um, that is a very helpful resource because Swedenborg kind of breaks down these steps and the why and the wherefore and even the how often and all that. I'll try to quickly summarize what he says. Um, there's basically four steps. Uh, another resource I want to tell you about is a, is a website called beginanewlife.org um, that is also all about Swedenborg's, you know, idea of repentance and, and gives you worksheets and all this stuff. So that's a cool, cool resource there. I uh, hope I got that name right. Yep. Um, so step number one it's, is to beginanewlife.info. Uh, Info. Oh, info. Thank you not. so much. Dot info. Yep. That's great. Dot info. That's that's great. Thank you. Uh, so 
Step number one, recognize and acknowledge things that are not right in there. Step number three, pray for help. Step number four, turn and live a new life. You know, that's the really, really short story. Uh, so uh, in terms of criteria and that sort of thing, uh, what I've done, uh, Swedenborg's big on the idea that the Ten Commandments are the most basic rules kind of thing. And particularly those four in what's called the second table of the Ten Commandments about committing adultery, stealing, uh, bearing false witness, and murder. And uh, uh, now those seem so extreme. Some people actually literally have that in their past or something. Uh, some people don't. Um, but uh, to me, it's a function of kind of associating those kind of extreme situations, uh, trying to be guided to what are sort of subtle, Swedenborg's so interior, you know, so the question is, what are subtle ways in which I'm doing those things? I remember one time when I was practicing this, and I, I had worked on some of the other commandments, and I thought, well, I'll work on bare false witness. I can't really think of anything, you know, so to your question about what if I come up blank, uh, I just thought, I'll just start journaling. You know, I don't know. There's probably nothing in there. <laughs> and then, well, pages later, like, I am such a liar. You know, this is amazing. So, um, uh, Swedenborg says, the Lord is present and helps you look and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this is a rather strange um, analogy, but I've always kind of liked the uh, truth in the saying about alcoholism that the man takes a drink, the drink takes a drink, the drink takes the man. Uh, I think the reverse is also true of repentance, that, that you start doing repentance. After you do it a few times, it starts to do you. You know, you'll, you'll find that thoughts just start to happen that way. It siphons in. Uh, so it's a good thing to get, get started with, because at some point the process will kind of take over for you. Um, Alone or with others uh, can certainly be done alone. Swedenborg says if you if there's stuff that you really feel burdened about, you can talk to somebody and and list that. But the main thing is internally before God to say. And uh, on frequency, his advice is very interesting. He just says basically pick one topic once or maybe twice a year. And because sometimes you'll go from being reluctant to all of a sudden like okay, I'm going to do a million things. And you can think of all these things because sometimes that happens too. You start start to sit down and make your list and it's like, oh, there's a lot of horrendous things. And I think part of the design is not to be overwhelmed or to you know hate yourself or something because that doesn't do much good. There's a phrase that Swedenborg used about con contrition and contrition is from a Latin root meaning to grind yourself very thoroughly you know, to pound yourself down. Uh, contrition is not repentance. He said, you know, just feeling bad is not the point. Um, and so just pick something, even if you make your list, you know, pick the lightest thing on there because Swedenborg says he doesn't use the word siphon, but it's like that, that if you, whatever you pick, it'll, uh, it'll work. Um, just pick any, any uh, issue and, and, you know, the angels sort of help with, with the other things as you go. And so uh, I think it's, it's a fascinating process. People often experience some resistance in the beginning and Swedenborg talks about that, but um, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a really 
Great thing. I hope I've said a few helpful things there. There you go. How about that? Yeah. It was, I, when he says examine yourself once or twice a year or, or pick something once or twice a year, is that the same place where he says, and you will notice a change? Okay. Oh, I, yes, I don't know he, he does. Yeah, go ahead, Car. I just made a noise that sounded affirming, but I don't know if it's the same place. Sorry. I, I just, that, that stuck out to me. Um, so I'm glad that you touched on that. Uh, because yeah, it, it's, it's almost shocking how after talking it up so much, like you mentioned, he's so nonchalant about the frequency and, and the intensity of it, which is nice. Um, I want to get to Carl to hear, hear your thoughts. I just want to say thank you to Jonathan who made a contribution as well as Dean who gave an honor of Anne Marie. So we are up just over the halfway mark. Uh, so thanks everybody for, for your support. If you're just joining us off the left eye.com slash donate, you help us get to our goal and we'll play some games. And it, it's a big storm outside right now. If, if we suddenly disappear, it's just because we lost power because of that. We probably won't though. Just, but don't worry about us. We'll be fine. Okay, Kara, what are you thinking about the repentance thing? Um, I'm going to just jump on the coattails of a few things Jonathan said that comment about siphoning is once you get started, it's sort of the angels help you out. Swedenborg says that if you keep one commandment, you keep them all. And conversely, if you break one commandment, you break them all. But if you, so if you're starting on one, you're making progress uh, all across the board. Um, the other part of Vic's uh, question that appeals to me is the mountains out of molehills or molehills out of mountains. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's humorous that Swedenborg talks about the over-conscientious um, and talks about, um, what, what is it? What is that word? Soup, soup. What's the word, Jonathan? Um, spurious. Spurious. Thank you, Curtis. Yes. Yeah. Spurious. spurious conscience, meaning unnecessarily being hard on yourself kind of a thing. So he warns against that. Uh, you don't like, like Jonathan said, the contrition thing, it's not about contrition that we're after. It's about being honest with ourselves. And what I've found personally is just knowing, okay, God knows everything about me. It's not like I've got to like admit something to him and then deal with the, you know, emotional response. He knows all about it and he's ready to help, help, you know? So um, just, taking the shame out of it in your own mind. And, and that's what I like about his um, four steps of repentance about examine yourself and then own what you see. Just like, oh yeah, yep, I did that. And it doesn't say flail yourself or, you know, any of that stuff, which is, is, is great. Um, uh, let's see, there was one more thing I wanted to say if I can get back to Vic's question. Um, yeah, uh, so I don't know. I think I think it's easy for. Um, oh, I was going to say that uh, Swedenborg says that our conscience is God's presence with us, and so I use that sort of as a marker about repentance. Is what is bugging me in my conscience? You know, you can feel it in your conscience when something is like mm, something's speaking to you about what's not right and. So that, that's the springboard I use when I'm going to get serious about doing a little repentance session. So Nice. Yeah. 
it's getting serious, but yet you follow one, you follow them all. Um, and I loved what you said, own what you see. And just like, okay, I'll just own it. And because it's good to do that too, because you don't know what role that plays for you down the line. I mean, you can say, I don't want to feel like that because I, I want to feel like I'm a good person and all that. But I think the where we're headed, like spiritually, it's actually going to be really nice to feel like, okay, yeah, look at me. I'm, I have all these imperfections as well. Because what that does is it introduces this humility that leads to all this happiness that I feel like if I did, if I never had those, it'd be too hard, too hard for me to get out of my own, uh, you know, pride. Um, and, and also I know as soon as somebody else admits that they're struggling with something or that they've got some kind of flaw, it actually feels great to be able to say, yeah, I will, I struggle with this, that you don't sort of really want to, if you're not in like a competitive headspace, you don't really want to be all pristine and, and out of the struggles that the rest of the human race is going through. So you never know if this thing is like, I can't believe I have this. In the end, this it might turn into a gift you can give to, to somebody. So hey, amen to that. That is so true. I've seen that play out so many times. What do you what do you think, Chelsea? Yeah, um, it's really interesting to think about. And I um <clears throat> had a couple of thoughts. One, I just had I've been studying this work of Swedenborg's called Survey, which the New Century Edition translation is coming out in 2022. And um, one way he describes the Lord's design, like the divine design, is for us to examine ourselves, see our evils, and resist them. And he's just sort of trying to get at the heart of what repentance is really all about. And sort of heaven itself is is, uh, uniting what he says, faith and goodwill inside of us, or, you know, like uniting love and truth together in our spirit. And so evil is really just what gets in the way of us being able to open up to the Lord's mercy and love and, you know, all of that stuff that it's like, I just think of a kid that can be so sort of caught up in frustration. They don't realize how willing you are to like, just give them a big hug, you know, but they're kind of in their heads about what's going on, or they feel that shame that's not letting them acknowledge that they did something wrong. But there's something about the examining yourself, um, seeing the evils. And then it's this resisting them, because it really is kind of like a tide. If we just notice, see it so that we can resist it, then that actually, I'm kind of picturing like, you know, parting the waters or something like it actually makes room for the Lord's, um, love to flow in. I guess that's kind of getting not sort of at the heart of uh, how exactly, but I I guess just sort of, it it can seem like repentance is like this really heavy, heavy lifting, you know, big job, but it's sort of something very simple. And it helps me to think about sort of the bigger, the context that's going on and how it's this, uh, why, why we even do it at all, you know, is to be able to open up to, to God's love and, um, and not have those evils getting in the way. And there's something that popped to mind too. I was just reading, um, second, I want to say second Samuel chapter 12, maybe, um, if I have that right, it's, uh, the, it's David when he takes the guy's wife, um, after killing him in battle and Nathan, the prophet or priest or somebody, somebody gets on his case about it. And Nathan's like, all right, well, you know, God's going to come. He's going to kill you. He's going to kill everything else. He's going to really destroy your life because you did this thing. And then David just says, 
goes to Nathan and said, like, I acknowledge that I sinned against God. And then Nathan immediately is like, okay, well, you're not going to die. Things are going to be okay. But, you know, your firstborn, the son is going to die. But it just seems like this sort of, why is it so magical that all David had to do was say, oh, I sinned against God. And then that kind of like cleared his, you know, the, the sort of bad prognosis that he had or all the threats that God was holding against him in this story. And it just seems like there's something about that. Our engagement and acknowledgement is kind of all God needs to kind of turn the dial to be like, great, I can free you from that evil, from that stuff that's getting in the way of you being able to really experience the love that I have for you. So those are some thoughts. That's great. A couple, couple of things struck me about that. Um, the first, that, that last point that you made about the magic of calling a spade a spade. And I think of my perception, if I hear in the news or something about somebody who did something really bad, um, or the difference in how I feel about them if they are trying to justify and deny that what they did was wrong versus if they say, uh, I'm so sorry, this what like, I, I dislike that I did this as much uh, as, as you all do. It changes how you feel about them. It, so there must be something fundamental there. Uh, I have one more point. But first, the, the, the donations have been going crazy. If anybody's peeked at this side of the screen, you'll know we hit our goal quite a few minutes ago. Um, we, had, <laughs> we had Juan who gave um, oh. Renee or Rini and then an anonymous contribution. And then we had Michael give. Oh, we've just doubled up. Um, we've just doubled up. That's all. <laughs> also, the in the way, and I want to, uh, um, and I'm going to take it back to Dr. Jonathan Rose in a second. But what you were saying, Chelsea, about it's just something that's in the way. That that's that's why we're going after the repentance. I'm, I don't know if this is a good example or not, but I think about the first time I ever had strep throat. And I remember just, you're just in this misery and you have all this pain and you're like, what's going on here? I was so glad when they said that strep throat, here's these pills and that's what you do. And then it goes away. Like it's one of the things that like Western medicine has it nailed, you know, just like we know exactly what to do. You'll be not contagious in two days and you take, take extra Tylenol and you'll be fine. Um, so I sort of think of if like, if I'm finding out, oh, I want goodness and truth joins so I'll be in heaven. And I can identify this is what's in the way. Great. Now we can we know how God knows how to fix it. We got the sweet board prescription to do it. So yeah, John Jonathan, um, what else were you thinking? I was just wanted to add one little coda. Um, to in case anybody's new to Swedenborg's thought about the Bible and so on, that it sounds pretty shocking for God to say, I'm gonna kill everybody, and then to say, Okay, I'll just kill the baby and, and then we'll be all right. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. but you you got to sort of get used to Swedenborg's view of the Bible, um, which I really appreciate because otherwise it makes God look just absolutely monstrous. But what that's talking about, babies represent that kind of innocence, and that it's like no, it's not going to spiritually kill you, even though you did this. I mean, what David did was really bad. You know, I was talking about those big four commandments. I, I think he broke every one of those in that one app. Somehow he managed to, to steal somebody's partner, commit adultery, kill the guy, uh, you know, and, and lie it about started, it. Right. Right. Like, yeah, that's right. He lied about it. And he started with coveting the wife anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and 
and so I think what what what's going on in that story of like that will not kill you spiritually because you have admitted it. You know, you've owned up to it and everything. Uh, but you will lose a little innocence, you know, like mm-hmm. like uh, you, you won't. I, I can't get you quite back into the box you were in, you know, uh, you, you will lose a little bit of innocence through this process, but, but uh, you'll, you'll be all right. Oh, well, I love that because something that came out in that story to me for the first time was that that child dies, but the next child he conceives after that is Solomon, who is just mm. peace itself and, and corresponds to our regenerated higher self. And so it's just such a beautiful sort of, I mean, and sort of horrific in the literal sense, but this like that the message there of like, you're going to lose this innocence, but you haven't even lost all hope because I've got amazing things in store for you because you made this choice to turn, you know, to make that acknowledgement, it kind of tipped the tip the balance in a new direction. Wow. Thanks, everybody. Um, the storm outside seems to have passed, but not the donation storm. We have <laughs> since just like since a second ago when I was saying that we'd gotten to 300, um, Catherine gave in honor of Walt and uh, or Walter, sorry. And then we had Stephanie give and we are up to 650. Wow. The ca- casual, uh, you know, almost quadrupling so thank you everybody we really appreciate it and this despite the fact that we've only done one question <laughs> almost halfway Look at per, per question fee we're charging here thank you everybody uh, it was a great one but hopefully all of you are getting getting food for thought out of all all the answers to, to all these comments so let's let's move on to another one before um before the, the half hour passes us by thank you everyone who did donate um your contributions will continue to make it possible for us to do what we do. Everything from these shows to translations to everything that makes the Swedenborg thing go out into the world. Also, let's add a console donate. Okay, this next question is from Katrina Marshall, who asks, did Emanuel Swedenborg visit Egypt? Should be a yes or no, should be a simple one. Jonathan. Uh, as far as I know, he did not. Um, he was for that time period travel was very very challenging took a long time was expensive and dangerous in multiple different ways both from you know robbers and thieves and and but also um from encountering pirates on the water and uh you know disease outbreaks and all kinds of things. Sometimes there was war going on between the different countries for years uh, while Swedenborg was trying to travel around. So uh, nevertheless, for a person of his time period, he traveled quite a bit. You know, there were people who who traveled much farther, but but he did go to, um, you know, he lived in Sweden. He did visit Denmark and Germany and France and the Netherlands and, and the United Kingdom and and uh, and did quite a bit of travel. I think all told, he ended up uh, living seven years just in England. So he wouldn't just kind of travel. He would go there and stay for a while. Uh, but I think it would have been quite a challenge. People did it. 
but to go to Egypt would have been very difficult. The other thing is that he did travel through, and this was even before his um, you know, spiritual eyes were open, could travel in the spirit world. Uh, he had a lot of travelogues in his library. It, it seems to be something that he was really interested in to learn about other peoples and other parts of the world. And it was a popular kind of literature back then. So he would read about places. But as far as I know, he did not actually see the pyramids and so on. Thank you. That's good. Good to learn a few things there. Chelsea, yeah. I guess it's just an interesting comment. An addendum to that is that Swedenborg was familiar with hieroglyphics, though. So he was certainly aware of Egypt and its culture. I don't know the details of that, but... uh, so it's just an interesting connection that I haven't thought too much about. Like, wait, how how familiar was he with like hieroglyphics, et cetera, even though he'd never visited Egypt. So um, interesting. All right. Well, hey, it's, it's 830 here on the East Coast of the United States. So this is about when we say a little thank you to everyone who's contributed to us and we give out a few little prizes. Yeah, just, just like that. Uh, it's time for our raffle. So... First of all, what we're going to do is, is give a little bit of screen time to everyone who's contributed to the Swedenborg Foundation and, and made this not-for-profit be able to function. So here's everybody that donated in October. Thank you so much. What a wonderful, robust list. All of you, uh, we, we owe you a debt of gratitude and everyone who gets touched by Swedenborg's message uh, through us, you know, you, you helped make it happen. So thank you so much. In a little token of our appreciation, we are going to give out some uh, some prizes. So we have three different raffles, and there's different criteria for each. The first raffle is our all-donor raffle. So every, anybody who's on that list could potentially win a prize. And a computer selected someone for us, and this is what they selected. Brian Bagnall, who got their choice of either Heaven and Hell, the, the portable edition or the audiobook of Heaven and Hell. Congratulations, Brian. That is a great piece of literature. Never ceases to um, just lift my spirits with the clarity of insight in the broad range of topics it covers. Next one is the new donor raffle and the winner. Uh, so that's if you donated for your first time in October to us, you're on this list and let's see who's new to our donor community is going to be getting Victoria. Victoria is getting either Divine Love and Wisdom, the book, or the audiobook of Divine Love and Wisdom. Great foundation to the way that everything works. And then finally, recurring donor. If you set up a monthly gift with us, it helps us know what's coming, gives us that stability. And so you get your own raffle. This one goes to none other than Shelly. Congratulations, Shelly Reese. Divine Providence, How the Lord Governs the Human Race. So I hope everybody enjoys those books as much as we here all enjoy them. Let's get back to the questions. So this one is from Catherine Howard, who, unless I'm mistaken, this is Catherine's first time tuning in. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here. I lost my husband slash soulmate in January. Sometimes I feel I can't breathe without him here. Grief covers everything. How does one get through this? So what what do we have to say to Catherine? Who uh, th- Thank you, first of all, for being willing to share what you're going through. 
And um, I'd love to hear from anybody about uh, their own experience with LASP or um, with Swedenborg's message and, and what, what it means to you. Chelsea, do you wanna start us off? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, my heart goes out to you, Catherine. Um, and these thoughts, what first comes to mind all kind of connect both Swedenborg's ideas and my own personal experience as I've interacted with it through Swedenborg's teachings and stuff. Um, I haven't lost a spouse that, and somebody who feels like a soulmate. So that feels like that is, would be, yeah, really, uh, heartbreaking. Um, I lost my mom when I was 10. So that's a pretty tight relationship. <laughs> um, obviously, but so that's just wanted to give you a sense of the grief context that I've had personal experience with myself. Um, one quote that really touches me that is just in Romans eight. And so maybe, I don't know if you are familiar with this, but I love it where it says, uh, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very spirit intercedes, intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Um, and I just love sort of when the, the Bible, which is a very wordy thing and Swedenborg is very wordy too, but just getting at that there's something nonverbal about how intense grief is um, and how all encompassing it is too. Um, and uh, well, two thoughts. One is that um, something that just a simple concept that I think connects with like Swedenborg's ideas of correspondences that I love about our body which is that as soon as you're wounded, your body initiates the healing process. Like that, it doesn't waste any time in beginning to heal. But that doesn't mean that, the, you know, the wound magically clears up like it does in movies or something. It can take a long time. But that invisible activity is happening. And uh, for myself, with my own grieving process, just knowing, being able to trust that even if I can't see it, there's a healing process happening and it's going to take its own time. Um, and that kind of connects with the other thought I have, which is that even though Swedenborg is so reassuring and comforting in terms of the ideas about the afterlife and how close your husband is to you, you know, and how um, even united your spirits are and that he says so many wonderful things, but it really feels like it can kind of fall flat when you're in the acute state of grief and, what helps me too is to understand that we are spiritual beings and earthly beings. Like our physical body is a very real part of us. And so when that has been cut off from an attachment that it had, even if that spirit is so close to us, the physical body needs to go through its own grieving process. I feel like, which can feel, I mean, our minds exist in our physical experience and our spiritual mind. So we can vacillate or have a, you know, have a dream where we feel really connected, but then just be awoken with the heartache of, of the loss. And so having, um, knowing that that, again, there's the healing is happening. It is a state that you're in. It's a phase of this grieving and nothing's gonna, nothing's going to get rid of it because even that grieving is part of the healing process, but it's, it just needs loving attention and care and, in my experience, just like not being forced to like, you know, can, can this be over soon? You know, of course that's, uh, that's all we want, but it's, it is happening in its own time. And that, um, 
and so having having support networks, having people who can be there and caring for you, um, and even and you know even the the affirmation of trusting in this bigger picture that uh, you know believing in your sense of connection even when you aren't feeling it can just help you know just have some hope in that process of knowing something will shift eventually um, even though it's just so devastating. So those are some thoughts. Thank you. That's beautiful. There's so many cool insights in there. And I, I love what you're saying that just because we have ideas, spiritual ideas, doesn't mean there's not a really important and, and unavoidable grieving, grieving process there, which I think is really important to hear. Yeah, Jonathan. The thing that came to mind when I heard this, and I, my heart goes out to you, um, uh, the grieving process is um, is very, very intense and even physical, as you say, in not being able to breathe, or I remember feeling like my solar plexus had a hole in it, and there was some sort of spiritual fluid constantly pouring out, you know, there was just pain there. It was like an open wound or something. Um, I thought of when you've talked about not being able to breathe, it made me think of the biblical story of Jonah. Uh, you know, some people think it's almost a kind of comical story, but I think there's a really beautiful uh, message in there, which is Jonah, as you may know, um, He's asked to to do something. I'm not saying this this is comparable, but he's asked to do something, and he goes in the opposite direction. You know where, where God said to go. He gets on a boat going in the, as far as he can go in the opposite direction, and then uh, it turns out that the boat is racked with storms, and he can only survive if they toss him overboard. And so they toss him overboard, and he falls into the water where he can't breathe, and he gets sw swallowed up by this great fish under the water. And it says he gets taken down to the moorings of the mountains, if I remember the phrase, like all the way to the base of the mountains. And weeds, he says, were wrapped around my head. And that image, which is both very kind of physically attention-getting to me, also mountains in Swedenborg's system mean love that grief takes you all the way to where that love originates you know the core of it deep under the water deep you know into your subconscious or whatever you want to call it and that weeds are wrapped around your head is an image of false thoughts i mean it may sound strange to say but it's like this these crazy thoughts are just wrapped around your head that image of weeds wrapped around your head just amazing to me so um, uh, what uh, Jonah does about his situation is um, he thanks the Lord from the belly of the whale. And from the belly of the whale, he says, thank you for getting me out of this difficult spot that I'm in. I'm paraphrasing now. You know, it doesn't sound terribly biblical. But if you read it, that's basically what he says. And after he says thank you, then what he says thank you about happens, and he gets put back onto the, the, the dry land, and his life kind of begins over again. And so there are ways in which grief 
never answer to, to me it people think of it as like a, a curve that's really intense and then it'll die down over a while. I think it's more like you're absolutely full of that grief, but it happens more intermittently over time. But at any second, I mean, I'm sure some of the people watching this broadcast know that after 40, 50 years, if you step into that, is it any less? No, it just fills your spirit. It, it's, uh, but it, it's not all the time. So, so you can't function. So I think it does change over time, but not, it doesn't, doesn't exactly go away. How could it? It's love that grieves. So your heart is feeling pain and uh, the Lord has arranged it that pain is, he doesn't want it, wish it on us, but it's beneficial for us. So those are some thoughts. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate that heartfelt account. Kara, uh, what about you? Well, Catherine, my heart goes out to you for the heartache you're going through. Um, I can't say that I've had that level of loss, but what's coming to me right now, who knows why, I just must be dropping in from the spiritual world, <clears throat> is the image of the sun. And uh, I mean, I remember, I was pretty old when I sort of got the concept that when it's night where I am, the sun is still shining. <laughs> you know? um, the, so the sun is, uh, Swedenborg says, it, you know, it is a correspondence, uh, a sort of a manifestation of God's love, eternal, constant love. And just how do you get through this? I have no idea. But the thought comes to me that the sun is there no matter how dark your life is feeling right now. And that that could be an allergy too for the love you have for your husband is still alive, even though it feels like you can't share it like you're used to, but it's actually still there, even if you can't feel it. So I don't know, get a little a minute in the sun every day. See if that helps. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Um, I, I'm, Chelsea, you were saying that you know, Swedenborg and the Bible and all that can get pretty wordy at a time when we're trying to, it, when, it, when it's really the, the reality of that, the love that, you know, the foundation, the mountain that you're talking about, Jonathan. Um, I think that for me, that definitely when I've been, you know, deep in things, grief included, there have been times when certain little phrases or ideas or, or what I, what can kind of turn that, that sun on for me. So this is like a little quote from Swedenborg where I think he's the, the most um, emotional about this subject. Um, and this is from Married Love 321, subsection seven. He said, it's talking about married partners. He says, because the two are not actually separated by the death of one. For the spirit of the deceased continues to dwell with the spirit of the one not yet deceased. And this until the death of the other, at which time they come together again and are reunited, loving each other even more tenderly than before, because they are in the spiritual world. And I know that um, my, my grandmother, um, her, her husband, my grandfather died before I was born. So many years, my, all my knowledge of her, you know, throughout her life was of her 
really engaged in the world and doing a lot of good, but also just longing for this reunion. Um, and at, at the age of, you know, she was in her early nineties, uh, just, just half a year ago or so it was her time. And she went, and of course I, I miss her and I love her, but I just was nonstop thinking about her reuniting with her, her husband on the other side. So thank you for being willing to share uh, a bit about that with us. Let's move on to the next question. We had a donation from anonymous. Thank you so much, Anonymous, for supporting what we do. This next one, I don't think we've ever gotten a question quite like this, and I'm really excited to hear everybody's thoughts on it. This is from Mim Tabu, who asks, hey, guys, are there secrets the spirit world keeps from us until we transition? Is there any stuff, when we get to the other side, they're going to say, okay, okay, now we can tell you this or that. Jonathan, what do you think? Mm. From what Swedenborg says, uh, there, it does sound like there are such things. It's not that it's impossible to find them out. It seems like Swedenborg found a whole bunch of them out and even wrote a whole book called Secrets of Heaven and so on. But um, uh, we are, to some extent, I think, on a need-to-know basis. And apparently there's a lot that we don't need to know or wouldn't be useful to us right now. I was just reading the other day, again, Swedenborg's account of uh, awakening after death in, in early Secrets of Heaven, and um, uh, it was emphasized there that the angels just want to answer any question you have. They want to show you all around heaven, um, you know, anything, everything they, they can do for you, they, they want to do for you. And then if you don't like those angels and you leave them, you go down to the next set that are, who are a little lower, they want to do everything for you. And then you go down to the good spirits. They want to do everything and answer all your questions. And so, uh, I mean, I'll give you a very strange example. Uh, one of the things Swedenborg says is that uh, people in this world, most people in this world don't really know. There's some people suspect about it and so on, but that there's uh, life on other planets, but he said it's totally common knowledge in the other world. Um, you know, it's like something you find out immediately when you go there that, oh, there's a lot more than just our, our planet up there and everything. And, and so it's kind of cool to think about, I think a lot actually, about what we'll find out, what my loved ones who've passed on, what what have they found out? What what do they know that that we don't know? I find that very intriguing. Thanks for the question. Yeah, I run into all the time, as I'm sure all of you do, in Swedenborg, he's constantly saying, I'm not permitted to share this with you. That's right. And in he'll just write it in the text there. I'll say, there was more of such and such, which I am not permitted to tell at this time. And it's in all kinds of contexts. Sometimes it's something negative. He's like, I, I can't because we don't want to introduce this idea into people's minds. Sometimes it's a secret of, of wisdom of some particular group. Uh, it, but a lot, and this is just when he mentions it to us, but it seems like even though there's so much revealing, as Jonathan mentioned, secrets of heaven, all these amazing things coming out about the nature of the spiritual world, there was a ton of stuff that was classified. He, he knew it wasn't allowed to say to us. So I would say absolutely. And there's many, many reasons for that, I'm sure. Um, it's probably stuff that would mess with our freedom and rationality or, or something, but, but he sure does indicate that 
there's there's a lot we'll learn, even if you knew all Swedenborg stuff front to back. Cool, thank you. Let's let's look at the next question, and I'll go for a pronunciation exercise here. Loputia <laughs> asks, "I would like to know if there is a wind in the afterlife. Mm. We have wind there. Do we have nor'easters there? Yeah, Chelsea. Okay. Um, yes, I think there is." Um, one thing Swedenborg writes is that, so everything has a correspondence, but the nature of a correspondence is that it, it uh, there's a spiritual reality that that is what the thing that we experience in the natural world is a reflection of. And so um, in, but that doesn't mean that in heaven, so in heaven, it seems to be from Swedenborg's description that what you experience is the actual spiritual reality, even though you're still experiencing it as what its correspondence is. Uh, whereas like in the natural world, things abide, you know, there's air currents, there's physics and everything, but in the spiritual world, there's still wind. But when you're experiencing the wind, you also get what it's spiritually representing for you or the situation. And so there can be all kinds of wind Swedenborg witnessed storms happening, you know, on the horizon with lightning and thunder. And that would sort of give him some information of what was going on in that area. So he would go and explore. Um, Swedenborg also says wind in general corresponds to the divine proceeding. And I kind of love that, like in the natural world, when a wind suddenly picks up or something, it can feel like what's coming, you know, it can feel sort of exciting when really it's like, okay, it's just that there was this temperature differential. So the air from over there moved over here. It can just seem so sort of technical and boring, but I think we get that sort of, <laughs> excitement or thrill because in the spiritual world it is that oh is there a wind that's picking up that means something you know like there's and is it a cool wind is it a warm breeze is it a strong wind it's it's telling you some sort of information um spiritual spiritually relevant information for for your life or the situation so it's fun to think about i think there's all kinds of wind going on in the afterlife yeah that's right and and there's even um Swedenborg talks about the east wind, which is a biblical image of this potent kind of wind that would come off the desert in the Holy Land. And um, Swedenborg talks about that in the spiritual world, that there's a wind called the east wind. And it can sometimes be really intense. Like if something needs kind of cleaning up or being, you know, being dealt with, uh, uh, that east wind will come in. And so he describes a scene at one point where there was this... Um, tremendous wind and it was overpowering for so many people and Swedenborg said it felt to me like a warm and gentle breeze and that was really interesting to me because it's not the same as here if you had generally speaking I mean things are still subjective but if you had 10 people outside they could all kind of measure the wind speed and say yes yes it's right right now it's 21 miles an hour but um but in the spiritual world the same thing is almost like an overpowering inflow of the divine, you know, kind of shaking everything up. And to somebody else, it's like, oh, that, that feels good. It's pleasant to, to feel that coming in. But I like that idea. Somehow it makes the spiritual world more real to me that there's wind and weather and clouds and rain and storms. And that's fun. Yeah, more dynamic. Thank you both for that. Um Chelsea, when you were saying 
the wind happens and you get what it means. I was thinking about in a movie or a book when there's symbolism. I remember in English class in high school, they were always trying to teach you about this. This is really a symbol for this. When it's pulled off really well, it could be really moving. Like, oh, this, this, this thing represents this. So I bet that those phenomena like wind in the spiritual world is it's really powerful to not only have the sensation, but know what it means and the two go together. So I got excited when you were saying that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go to the next one. This is a this is a um, topic, a hot topic this time of year. <laughs> Young at Heart asks, hello, should Halloween be set, which is it coming up? How worldwide is Halloween? I don't know, but definitely in in the United States, it's a big holiday. Um, Should Halloween be celebrated or feared? What is the panel's take on this festival? I'll go first because I want to say something good about Halloween. And if somebody else goes first and says Halloween is not very good, then I'm going to be shaming them. So this is what I like about, well, listen, Halloween, like anything, can look a thousand different ways to an angel. It depends on your motivation. Swedenborg has this quote that the same action can look a thousand different ways to an angel because it's all about the motivation. What makes me think there's something good in Halloween is that I have a six-year-old, nearly six-year-old, in like a few days, she'll be six. So five-year-old daughter. And she has been thinking about Halloween for a year. And, and she is so excited I won't spoil what her costume is, but this has been a big deal to her. And she's also like, she's been so excited about like, can we put our decorations out? We have very modest Halloween decorations. We're like, oh, do we have anything in the attic? Um, but but it just like, and she'll be out there. We have this like, um, this ghost that has like, made, like has like corn cobs making parts of it. Simple little thing, but I saw her the other day out the window just like talking and playing this little game, you know, with the ghost uh, by herself. So it seems like heaven can use that stuff um, to bring great joy. And so, yeah, I, I think that, um, oh man, there's so many ways you can look at it positively, including like, okay, well, we're talking about the reality of life going on. I also wonder about the two, like we have some like window clings of, cute looking scary things like cute little ghosts and cute little, like like harmless little and i wonder if that's something about like the way that the angels Swedenborg talks about the angels when they see evil they see it but it's not horrifying to them you know that they that, that it is somehow de- defanged or declawed so that they can do their work of of you know helping anybody who's immersed in it and i wonder if there's something in that of like okay this is us just getting to you know like looking for the good in these little zombies and all that okay (laughs) that's all Cara what do you think yay or nay (laughs) Uh, that's great I love that concept of the angels seeing it differently in each one of us which is the truth um isn't Halloween it, it used to be called all hallowed something wasn't it about honoring our our loved ones who have passed in some way wasn't the origins of halloween it's somehow meant to be acknowledging the other world and the presence of the other world with us it's which all, what does it show you want to just yeah there's all souls day and all saints day so it sort of goes back to a catholic 
tradition, I think broadly of just, and that it's like a, yeah, a festival. Um, and so then, uh, yeah, the All Hallows Eve. And I'm not sure if that relates to like a sort of clearing of the evil before you can connect to the, you know, your spirits and loved ones who are on the other side. I feel like there's some connection of that somehow, but. Okay. So I, I love the thought that, you know, somehow it's trying to connect to the reality that there is a spiritual world that we move on to. Um, the thing that makes me uncomfortable about Halloween is how it's turned into a complete gore fest. And um, <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is very gored up and, and sexualized and stuff. But I love for the little kids that they get to try on a different persona. You know, my little three-year-old grandchild can't wait to be a cow this weekend. <laughs> and the little one-year-old is practicing saying, moo, moo. <laughs> I mean, there's, the, there's that darlingness and the darlingness of going to house to house and, and just like encountering each other. Um, so... I, I always feel like, could we keep the hell out of it? Sure, spiritual world, sure, different identities, different costumes and characters, but, but the hell part of it, the, the bringing hell presence that sometimes happens, like all the scary movies, the horror movies that come out about Halloween and stuff. I don't know. That's the part that makes me uncomfortable. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I did, when I th I was just reading about how in, in Swedenborg's Journal of Spirits Experiences, each of us have different things that come to mind when we hear a topic. And he, he's giving the mention of cities, that he has these different mental associations with different cities he's been to. And that whenever that's called to mind, it brings everything we sort of know about it um, to the forefront and I think for Halloween, when I'm thinking of Halloween right now, all I think about is like the little kid angle of it, but you're totally right. There's plenty of obnoxiously violent and sexualized co costumes and media and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, but I, I don't, to me, that's not part of Halloween because it's been so long since I thought about that side of it. But so I, but I, I, I'm with you on it. Yeah, we, why, we don't need to like, like, like pumpkins and like um, stuff that's a little spooky. That's a sweet spot for me, you know. Um, uh, Chelsea or Jonathan, either of you. Uh, Jonathan, you want to go? I'll go, sure. Um, uh, there's no, first of all, it is um, very cute. Obviously, it's become a, a family thing and, and super cute and seeing your neighbors and all, all that kind of stuff. And, and um, so it's associated with a lot of, a lot of delight. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that a lot of those, um, the correspondences that you see, it's amazing how everybody at Halloween seems to know correspondences, you know, like what would be spooky? Well, it would be a spider coming out of a skeleton's mouth, or it would be, a, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and all the you know, hand reaching out of the ground or the grave or something. And, and um, so a lot of those are dark correspondences. Um, I think if I may be so bold as to, say something like this i i think the lord doesn't mind if if we know about evil you know like that's that's not a not a bad thing to know about or to see that oh yeah okay like i think throat slitting is bad and you know or, or violence or, or stuff like that and so being exposed to those kind of things um 
And uh, so in terms of the correspondences that Swedenborg saw in the other world, he saw real evil spirits and they were very, very hideous people with no faces at all. It's all hair or they're all teeth or they just have these burning skeletons and, you know, just uh, revolting sounding things. So I've had the thought before that for Swedenborg, every day was Halloween. (laughs) He got to see these creatures. Sometimes he would vomit, you know, when they came close and and they, they weren't cute little kids all dressed up. You know, it was the real thing, but I still think it's sort of, it's probably good for us to have all that in our folder so that we sort of know that vocabulary when we go to the spiritual world. So those are some thoughts. Nice. All right. I'll tack on my last thoughts here. Um, Yeah. One thing, uh, and this is so, yeah, the, the day of the dead. I love that sort of universal or it's not universal, but just like it's fairly global in a lot of different parts of the globe of, of um, it's sort of become this honoring honoring of your ancestors, connecting to loved ones who've died. But then also um, I feel like there's something about facing our fear of death that, that I associate with Halloween and that it comes at this time of year. Well, in the Northern hemisphere or whatever, but it's like leaves falling the shift of the seasons. Um, so there's something about interesting to me about collectively facing our fear of death. And I think that also associates our fear of evil, you know, and kind of looking at it in the face is something I think we kind of are doing collectively in that like make scary things, lots of blood, lots of scariness because it sort of forces us to sort of reckon with it uh, in some way, even though obviously there's so many different ways that, you know, it's like why people want to go to a haunted house or like to go through one of these scary experiences is to face these fears. So there's something sort of, I feel almost like developmental in that of wanting to put ourselves in those situations. And yet the thing I find especially sweet about it is that, and this is a U.S. specific um, reflection on this festival, is um, you have all the scariness, all the blood and guts and gore. And then it's these sweet little kids who are exchanging candy in this very interesting ritual of like, I say something nice, you give me something sweet. And then I go to the next house, this like generosity. So it's just for myself, I've enjoyed that, like within this context of like dark, scary, you know, threatening evilness is actually this like, oh, here, have some candy and <laughs> say thank you. Okay. And go to the next house. And so there's something, again, I think this kind of is what Jonathan was getting at of like the, the I get this message of like, that's how God can bring goodness out of everything or that there's, you know, there's this God's got it. Even when it looks all scary and dark on the outside, there's something sweet and innocent that, that God can still be taking care of and, and sort of fostering and, you know, whatever, holding on to on the inside. Um, so those are some thoughts. Awesome. Great question. And I, I totally lost track of that. We just blew through the end of the show. Like it's past nine o'clock right now. <laughs> Because I was just totally engrossed in that. And even now, I have to say something, which is I've wanted lately to go to a haunted house to basically to see like, oh, yeah, it's going to give me like from a Swedenborgian lens. Oh, this is the kind of stuff that's in hell. And uh, it will be I thought it'd be fun to like film myself going through for content for the channel. 
Um, I'm a little bit intimidated by haunted houses. I have been to some and they weren't that bad, but just when I think about it, I'm like, ooh, I don't want, so anyway, we'll see if that comes. Hey, thank you everybody. This has been a really fun session. Let's get into our bonus stuff. Just before we do, we wanna do our Thought Brings Presence segment. Uh, this is, we've got some great submissions here. Um, these are the people that we're, we're thinking of here today. So I wanna begin with a quote to get us remembering the people that have not left us, but, but left us in a way. So this is from Secrets of Heaven 70. Little more than a day passes after the demise of the body before we enter the next life, since that life is a continuation of this. So faster than flying to Samoa is going to the next life. So here's here's everybody that, that you all in the chat wanted to honor. So first we have from the cube, Candice Podger McChesney, who's now an angel. Mm -hmm. Samuel Perkins said, Nathan Reisdorf, my beloved father who died earlier this year. Nancy Lindman was thinking of Jim, thinking of my friend's husband, husband crossed over in March. Mm. Peg B said Leanne Marie, thinking of my sister Leanne Marie, who passed away June 2021. Catherine Howard is a Scott Howard. My husband crossed over in January. Best man I've ever known. Oh. BDPRX3 said, thinking of my son Richard. Love you and miss you so much, my beautiful boy. Mm. Renee Hausnell said thinking of my husband Leslie tomorrow is our anniversary it would be nine years he crossed over January 18th 2021 mm. Les Stevenson said my parents and grandparents thinking of my parents and grandparents in memoriam a vodka nerd said remembering my mom Anne Marie I was alone with her holding her hand as she passed on she was a positive force in the lives of her family and friends. Eleanor Weber is thinking of Gary Weber. He passed away October 4th, 2021, helicopter accident. Tina mm. Hansen set my uncles Jimmy and John on their final voyage last night. They both died within months of each other, suddenly and shockingly. I will always miss them until I see them again in heaven. Mm. Angela Wilson said past Raquel, Danny, Sharon, Glenn. Love them dearly. Also have a baby that would be 29. Miss Gallivant Gallivant said, my nephew passed. Then my mom a few months later. Then a few months later after that, my niece. Then my dad nine months later. And now my ex-husband of almost 20 years. Heather Fling, I missed my husband three and a half years ago. Still missing him. And don't think I will ever get over his loss. He was my rock. MTP358, my wife. I lost my wife almost seven years ago and I still miss her dearly. Susan Anderson, my daughter passed a little over two years ago at a young age unexpectedly. This channel and learning about Swedenborg has helped me so much and brought me a lot of comfort that she is okay. And finally, Bridget Edie, I lost my 19 year old daughter, my soulmate in 2016 and I completely understand. I still cry every day and it still knocks the breath out of me. Watch for signs from your loved one. They are there. Mm, nice. So talk about getting getting lost and like I totally forgot where we were when I was reading that just because of how how much people are sort of looking at the base of the mountains there. And this is the, the depths of love and life and being willing to share that with us. So thank you so much, everybody. Um, let's do some games because even though life is hard, 
it's fun at the same time. And that's just what it is. If you want to, we have a tribute wall on our website. If you want to leave a lasting in honor or in memory of, uh, go, go, go there and you can find it out uh, off the left eye.com. Okay. So now let's see if we can't um, defeat a Swedenborg machine in our first game, grading Swedenbot. <laughs> yes. So for grading Swedenbot, some context here. We fed all of Swedenborg's writings to an AI, our own little pet robot. Um, and then we can, you know, it, it knows all of what Swedenborg wrote. And so now it can give out uh, guesses as to what are spiritual truths that Swedenborg might say. And so Swedenborg is trying very hard to be a spiritual rel- revelator like Swedenborg. And uh, we get to grade Swedenbot on their effort. So uh, let's see. We've got a few quotes from Swedenbot. He's been work, working away and we'll give them a grade. So first one. <laughs> the angels came into the world to be joined to the Lord. I'll also say this is an opportunity to clarify for Swedenbot some of the doctrine or ideas, spiritual teachings that Swedenborg does write about. Okay. Swedenbot so- watching. <laughs> Swedenbot is always watching. <laughs> so, so we can see the, the origins of this. Okay. We can yeah. see how an AI might read Swedenborg and think, okay, because we definitely talk about coming into the Lord, the world. We definitely talk about being joined to the Lord. It even got right that angels, you know, can come into the world, but that's not their general space. But there's an obvious issue here, which is that this. This doesn't, well, okay. This doesn't happen, sort of. I'm suddenly realizing, right? Oh, you're, you're, oh, parsing words for so Swedenborg here. If, if Swedenborg was being way cheekier than Swedenborg ever would, I mean, aren't we angels in the making? And can't we only join to the Lord by starting in the world? I, I think that's giving too much credit. What do, wow, what do you all think? Deep. That's deep. <laughs> I, I would, yeah. Can you read it again? Can you read it again? I, I, can, I don't see it anymore. I can't. The angels came into the world to be joined to the Lord. So on first look for me, I think that's like Swedenborg says angels. We become angels after death, but it's not that angels, I don't know, are, but, I don't know. It's confusing. That's yeah. the Lord's, I mean, the, the, Jesus, Jesus came into the world. Right, that's that's probably coming into the world that got it from, and got he it. was in a in a sense like joining joining with his higher nature. Um, well, and we're joined to the Lord all the time, but it's just it's just a mishmash of the wrong stuff. Unless you put that extra spin of meaning on it, which I don't know if we can really give high marks right. for that. And, and the whole idea of the angels is that they were already they're in a state in heaven of being joined to the Lord. They don't need to go anywhere to experience yeah. that. They're ex people so as it's framed i think it it doesn't i mean i would give it a c i guess yeah I, yeah c i think c what do you guys think yep c yeah. it, it seems a little backwards um right yeah. that angels aren't a separate race of being that's like a key key thing that sweet right. yeah about, so and we yeah, right. come, we human beings come into the world 
to be conjoined to the Lord in our process right. of becoming an angel. But, there you go. You hear that? Right. Carl, <laughs> that's right. All right. Next Move one. the pieces around. That's right. People who have been regenerated are devoted to the Lord and return to the Lord. Um, the, if we had just stopped after that first Lord, we could <laughs> be looking at an A. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I agree. But what is it? What, what is that? What, what do you mean return to the Lord? What, what is that supposed to be? Like Sounds the Lord's sort of everywhere. Like biblical illusion kind of return to the Lord. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that's too bad. It's not too bad. The the timing, I would give it a B probably. The the, yeah. the timing is a little off because you would, let's say you're living a, you know, a revolting life or something, and then you return to the Lord and, and then you become regenerated. But it's, it's, so the time sequence is a little off. That's right. But, we, gotta, we gotta knock some points off for that. So we'll give, we'll give it Swedenbot a B for that one. Yep. yep. All right. I think we have one more. Let's see. Okay. The Lord teaches that he is omnipresent in <laughs> heaven. <laughs> Everyone. Listen up. Stop. You got to stop while you're ahead. You gotta stop, stop. Yeah. stop talking in the back there. I got to tell you all something. <laughs> I am omnipresent in heaven. It's just kind of comical. Like <laughs> I'm everywhere in heaven. Okay. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, he's he's omnipresent <laughs> in hell and the world and the universe. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's not just heaven, and it's also interesting that he that he. It, it, it's almost as if um, I I don't know. He has to say it to make it true, or so you, you know that, <laughs> that. Well, that's what he says, you know. Um, but what Swedenborg would say is that he is omnipresent we don't all feel the presence equally all the time but but that he is omnipresent and omnipresent means everywhere you know he would say throughout his design or throughout the both universes or something like that so this looks like you got about four out of the nine words nailed it so maybe we also call that a c or is this even a something lower i, I think it's it's it can't go lower because it's it's not against the truth. It's right. just a no. partial truth, you know? It's not a fail. No, right. it's not a fail. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks, Swedenbot. Keep working. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, that's that's <laughs> awesome. I love Swedenbot. I have great affection for that cute little <laughs> robot that is just trying its best and stumbles across profundity from time to time. Okay. <laughs> Our next game is going to be Guess that Swedenborg phrase. Oh, I love this game. This is when I wish I was a robot. Kurt <laughs> <laughs> is a robot in these games. Normally, Karin is running this. Today, it's me. So, so all of you are going to get to battle it out, and I will be safe in the hosting spot. So the, I think everyone probably knows how this game works. Um, just because there's a lot of games like it will say vowels are worth one point. Continents are worth five points. Guessing is 25 points. Guessing wrong is negative a billion points. You lose. So very first looks like Chelsea is up. All right. T. There are six T's. Good Woo! job. Then it's Jonathan. Okay. 
How about H? The answer to H is yes, there are three H's. Great. Not as good as Chelsea, but pretty good. Okay, Kara, you're up. How about an uh, F? F is, there's one F. Okay. Whew. Okay. And anyone want to, Chelsea, did anyone want to guess the phrase? No? Okay, Chelsea. Okay. Um, shoot. Uh, D? There to... is a D in there. Ooh. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, okay. We're back to Jonathan. Oh, let's see. What are, how do the letters go again? M. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do the letters? There are no M's. Can you believe it? Ah, and it's it's so fun because for me, knowing what the phrase is and knowing how well all of you know Swedenborg, it's just something about how human minds are that we just like, what could this possibly be? So this is great. Okay, Kara, what, what do you think? How about an N? The answer is yes, four N's. Oh. Okay. That okay. is amazing. All right. People are starting to say, okay, we guess maybe imminent. Cara, I guess you have a second. Do you want to try to guess oh, it? I get it. Uh, oh, I get it. Oh. Well, uh, if you guess wrong, you lose. If you yeah, guess no, wrong, no. you lose. Okay, no, no, no pressure. No. Okay. Yeah. Chelsea. I mean, somebody's got to do it. I guess of using just a single point for a vowel, but I'll go for O. Oh, you went for the right one. There's eight O's. Do you right. want to guess? Okay. Ah. Nope. Not okay, good. Jonathan, we're we're back okay. to you. Uh, G, there is a G. Okay. Would you like to try to solve the puzzle? Not quite yet. No. Okay, Kara, it's gonna be you. Uh, okay, I gotta go with a vowel and say I. There are three eyes. Okay. Okay. Um, W. Wait, wait, does Carl oh. want to guess? You want to guess, Carl? Oh. Nah, not quite. Okay, <laughs> Chelsea, what do you what do you got? Yeah, W. There is a W. Uh, would you like to guess the puzzle or close? What is that last word? I think we all know what this says. <laughs> oh. except for the last word. I think I know now. Well, okay. Well, okay. it goes. It goes to Jonathan. I think. Yeah. Right? Okay, Jonathan. So I don't think I have it because, like, what's that O doing down there? Okay. <laughs> S. There you go. Oh, I, I smell the finish line. There are four yeah. S's. Oh, oh, yes. oh! Now you're going. I would like it. to say that I'm very excited because I've never done this before, and I, I still failing is still possible. But I would say the notion that there is one God flows into our souls. Survey says. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. But in a, in, a, in a twist of the game. Oh, he does win. I was going to say Jonathan still doesn't win. win okay. but, but he he won. He wins. He won. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so far somebody else still won. <laughs> you, I did won. so poorly before that. <laughs> okay. That's great. Great job, everyone. We're going to wrap up the game session with a fan favorite, uh, panelist, not favorite, elevator pitch. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> okay. So the first elevator pitch, it will become evident how the game works as we play. Let's see who it's going to be and what it's going to be. We have one minute to explain why, it, what it is and why it's important. Okay. 
spin that wheel. Those happy people, Ooh. as long as it's, it's not going to be hey. Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea's elevator pitch will be about prayer. So imagine the three of us just stepped onto an elevator and we, and we okay. say, hey, Chelsea, what, what's prayer according to Swedenborg and why is it important? And three, two, one, bing. So prayer, uh, just like how, so God, God exists. God is present to you all the time. And prayer is a helpful exercise to help you remember that that connection exists. And so you can, um, you know, God wants to be active in your life all the time. And you may wonder, do I have to pray a certain way or do I have to say certain words another way? It really is about this acknowledgement um, and recognition and humbling yourself before God because then we give this open access point for God to be able to come in and work in our lives. And one of the most powerful prayers you can pray is for God's will to be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Take that one prayer with you and your life is going to change and you're going to be happy. You walked into this elevator with me today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I'm, I am wow. happy. That is the best prayer. Cool. That's, wait, that's wait, a bolder wait. ending than I ever remember from an elevator pitch. That was very yeah, cool. Right? And, and a takeaway, like a take-home for us. So yeah. awesome. Thank you, Chelsea. Let's squeak one more in. We got just enough time. What's it going to be? Spin that wheel one more time. Here we you can't go. Me again, oh, no, can oh, it? No, oh, no. <laughs> You're out of it. Oh, Jonathan, the world of spirits. Let We all step on the elevator, and as people do in New York City, they say, can you tell me anything about the world of spirits? <laughs> what do you got, Jonathan? And three. Two, one, go. Okay, so it may seem like a rather strange idea uh, that there is this space that's actually between heaven and hell. If you remember in the Bible, Jesus talks about the fact that there's a great gulf fixed between heaven and hell. And Swedenborg says that's the world of spirits. Now, why that's important is that the world of spirits is a point of choice. We all have free choice. At any time, we're kind of turning machines, and we can turn toward heaven, we can turn toward hell. I forget which direction, which is which, but we can turn there, and the world of spirits is actually where our minds live now. We're not conscious of it, most of us, but we live in that world now, and every time we lean a little this way or a little that way, we get restored to this equilibrium and freedom in the middle. So the world of spirits is actually a very important thing that helps our mental balance and helps our freedom even right now while we're alive in this world. Woo. Right. I gotta say, if anybody ever comes visit the uh, the Off the Left Eye Studios, <laughs> Swedenborg Foundation, <laughs> and ride in our elevator, they'll know that that's just what we're doing all day. You know, <laughs> <take the elevator>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just practice our elevator pitches. You're, you're not allowed to ride in it until you're ready to give a minute on a doctrinal yeah. topic. Uh, I'll take the stairs. Thanks. Yeah, right. Hey, since since it, we've had a couple more donations came, come in, uh, there are two more anonymous anonymous donations. One got us up to seven seventy five, and one got us all the way up to eight hundred, uh, and yeah. said thanks for making the world a better place. Well, we really appreciate that, and we wouldn't be making anything anything without all of you. So thank you so much. We, we raised $800 tonight. Hopefully all of you um, found something that will be nourishing and enlightening. Uh, I just, I know I did getting just to talk to the three of you uh, and hear the, these awesome questions from the audience. So I just want to say thanks 
to each of you. Chelsea, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm so grateful to get to be here and uh, really uplifts my spirit. So I hope it was helpful for everybody else and that you all have a wonderful week. Cara, any final thoughts? Well, I, to, for me, being doing this show with you guys is like an experience of the spiritual world because time completely disappears. I can't believe that it's been an hour and a half. It feels like it's been 10 minutes of just fun. So thanks. Yeah, an amazing spiritual thing is that we're scheduled to be an hour and 15 minutes but because <laughs> of the host. It's now like almost an hour and a half. All right, Jonathan, closing thoughts. Yeah, my closing thought is that I was really moved by all those messages from loved ones to other loved ones. It's such a such a thing is deeply personal, and yet it's something universal. We we all go through this kind of loss, and so I love that there's somewhere that that people can express this and and find a home. So anyway, I'm very grateful to the Swedenborg Foundation for making this this possible. And thank you to all of you. If none of you showed up and watched, it would have been an awkward evening. But instead, it was a different kind of awkward as we scrambled to try to answer these to the best of our ability. Thank you for hanging out with us. We'll see you all very soon.